Hello everybody, today we're gonna continue talking about this novel Influence Business is Deadly, Abby Story. My name is Leah from TLTBC, Public Relationship Agency, also known as True Start. This time we decided to investigate a very recent bizarre case about a social media nomadic traveler, influencer Abby, who disappeared without a trace when her fiancé returned home on her van and suspiciously refused talking about Abby's whereabouts and then disappearing himself. Abby's been doing her travel vlog. She also managed to sell brand-sponsored products. She has been traveling across the country, national parks, documenting her life. When she got in a fight about nothing really with her fiancé Brian, Brian scratched him, bruised him, almost got arrested for domestic violence, and then suddenly disappeared. And the novel is inspired by two events. This um, novel constitutes um, fair use of third-party content, work are meant to be educational, scholar nature. So please listen and read us on other podcasts and ebooks by artists in TBLC. We would like to bring our opinion and speculation. And this time we're going to talk about chapter 37, Ryan's family. Only a 15-minute walk from the entrance of the park, Ryan's father found the body and Ryan's backup, backpack. This is a very strange case um, because police was looking for the same thing for months already, but um, it only took 15 minutes walk for Ryan's dad to find his son's remains and that were under the water. This is a location where Ryan's, Ryan's remains were found was isolated by FBI by orange uh, spray paint on uh, three different trees. And as we know, the backpack and the notebook and partial skeletal remains were found inside the triangle. So after the, the way this case was played out, I don't think anything would surprise me at this point. I would thought finding Ryan's body would be end of the story, but it's only getting even more interesting. So stay tuned. How did Ryan's parents know where to go to find Ryan? How in the world Ryan's parents were able, parents were able to come out here and find the son when so many people were looking for for his for him or his remains a couple weeks already this place is so is a, such a large swamp and vast of uh, of all kind of wild right, uh, life and terrains getting back here let's keep going and talking about um about um, Abby was officially missing out on September 11. It was Saturday, and um, that was two days before Ryan allegedly left to go to the reserve in his mom's Mustang. And all neighbors installed cameras on the houses facing Ryan's parents' house. Ryan's neighbors' houses were watching uh, his parents 24-7. They had cameras all around, uh, like Nest from Amazon and other cameras, Ring. And they still missed Ryan's living on Monday the 13th. Ryan's lawyer allegedly told FBI that on the Monday of 17th, Ryan left his mus in, in his mom's Mustang and didn't tell anybody. Then he just never came back. So then his mom went to the resort and she found the Mustang and drove it back. And the police later claimed that they thought it was Ryan's who came back in, in Mustang, but it was actually Ryan's mom. How embarrassing and then to have the nerve, in my personal opinion, allegedly for entertainment purposes, to say that losing Ryan and then mistake of mixing him with his own mom, which is absolutely ridiculous. They should have never even came out saying that. That makes no sense. 
on my opinion. So anyway, I thought uh, searching for Ryan for months would waste like a uh, hundred thousand a day and if they found him on time, Ryan probably would never uh, took his own life. Millions of dollars uh, was spent on a search teams. Some searches got hurt, uh, hurt out of their searching in, in the swamp water. And authorities got all these people involved spending millions of dollars, all the cameras, all, all the uh, neighbors' houses, watching the Ryan's house, uh, the residence. You got the, the lawyer representing Ryan's blame, the FBI saying, quote, you can't blame the family because the police didn't know enough to follow someone. They obviously were surveilling us, and this is a strategy for two families, and any mistake made by anyone or any, any entity involved should be acknowledged and used to train and educate others. Period. Chapter 38. Merciful Killing. Later, Ryan's notebook was found near his body in Florida in a swamp and has been made public by his family's attorney. Ryan's in his own words said um, that he murdered his girlfriend Abby Petit in his notebook during um, a cross-country road trip summer. The FBI says Ryan admitted to killing Abby in this eight-page handwritten letter released by family's attorney. However, Ryan's was claiming it was a merciful killing and that Abby had fallen and uh, was in severe pain, begging him to end her life. He was writing in his notebook, quote, I ended her life. I thought it was merciful because uh, this is what she wanted. and But uh, I see now it, will, it was all mistakes. And I panicked and I was in shock. Federal authorities said Ryan strangled Abby to death in Wyoming and returned home to Florida alone, sparkling in nationwide and worldwide searches. Abby's remains um, later were found near Grand Teton National Park, United States. Ryan and his family declined to speak um, with law enforcement or FBI or Abby's parents. And Ryan disappeared himself. Authorities said they found his body in a swamp near his family's home next to the notebook with a handwritten confession. Ryan died from the self-inflicted gunshot wound. And uh, right after that, Abby's family has filed a lawsuit against Ryan's parents, accusing them of intentional infliction of emotional distress for not telling the truth on time, wasting precious time and nerves. Ryan's family attorney has called the case baseless and was seeking to dismiss the case. Abby's, mom's, Abby's mother expressed her disbelief in, in, a, letter, um, about, um, in a letter belonging to Ryan. Abby's mom reacted to it on Twitter. She was saying, quote, that was his character, even in his last moments he wanted to make sure that he looked like a good guy. That is ridiculous, we know how she died. Period. Chapter 39. Abby's family lawsuit against Ryan's family. Abby's family filed a lawsuit against Ryan's family for intentional infliction of emotional distress by hiding the knowledge about Abby's death, making false public statements, when in fact they already knew what happened to Abby. And the motion to dismiss the case was filed by, Rice, by Ryan's family attorney stating, quote, A cause of action for intentional infliction of emotional distress wasn't intended to include liability for a defendant who does nothing, who has no contact with the plaintiff. 
All of our arguments regarding outrageousness, illegally permissible conduct, causation, and presence of the plaintiff all go back to the premises and show there is no legal footing for this cause of action. In this contents, con um, conduct that amounts to remaining silent and maintaining privacy is not intentional infliction of emotional distress. There are no cases um, where such conduct was found to be intentional infliction of emotional distress. Plaintiffs argue that Ryan's family had obligation a duty to speak in this particular case. However, the law imposes not such obligation to speak and the state and federal, federal constitution support that, Ryan's law, uh, family lawyers argued. In our society, under our laws, people are free not to speak when they want. The behavior that claimed to constitute intentional infliction of emotional distress must be so outrageous in character and so extreme to this degree that it's all to go beyond all possible bounds of decency. In response, Abby's family attorney insisted that he that the conduct um, can be characterized by malice or degree of aggravation, which would be entitled to plaintiff to punitive damages um, for the for the tort. Plaintiffs allege. Uh, that conduct was outrageous first because of failing to advise the plaintiffs that Miss Petit was deceased, second, failing to disclose the, to the plaintiffs the location of Miss Petit's body, and the third, taking, um, taking a family vacation with their son Ryan, who they allege had murdered Miss Petit while the plaintiffs were looking for their daughter Miss Petit. Fourth, blocking access to the cell phone and Facebook page to preclude the plaintiff from con contacting defendants in this case, uh, Ryan parents and family, and getting information in regards to Miss Petit's whereabouts. And finally, Ryan's attorney issued a statement to press expressing hope, uh, falsely hope, um, that search for Miss Petit is successful, and uh, she's going to be reunited with her family soon, and they knew, knew that she was already dead. So basically, they were making false statement to public authorities and the family of deceased Miss Petit. However, defendants argue that they do have a constitutional right uh, to fifth amendment and um, uh, constitutional right to have an attorney to speak for them and right to remain silent. The judge didn't dismiss the case, however, allowing to go to the trial since defendant knew the truth but made false misleading public statements using the attorney and the fifth amendment that caused unnecessary pain for plaintiff's family and unnecessary costly usage of government resources for search of Abby Petit. To be continued, uh, Chapter 40. Abby's family lawsuit against police in Utah Mob County. Abby's family also filed a lawsuit against the police in the Mob County, Utah. The family is accusing the department of failing to properly investigate Abby's domestic violence case and the officers involved in responding into 911 call lacked proper training to recognize abuse, in this case, domestic violence abuse, and lawsuit six, uh, seeking $15 million in damages. Thank you for listening. To be continued. Stay tuned.